Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Dan. Uh-huh. Somebody gave Funkmaster B... VD. Lee, I don't know what you're looking at me for. Uh, you're so accusatory, Lee. Lee, stop. This is this is not Damn. some kind of witch hunt, Lee. Mike, roll the tape. Witch hunt part 2. You are listening to the Beyond Terrestrial Podcast, your one-stop shop for the outstanding, the unconventional, and the downright strange. Strap in, because the boys are about to take a wild ride. I'm Funk Master B, setting up that tea for the duo of dumb foolery. Your hosts, Dan and Lee. I believe in aliens. I mean, in an infinitely growing universe, why would we be the only living species? Bigfoot, Nazi, all that stuff, it's got to be real. How are we to say that we're the only ones? It's just ignorant. I think aliens are not only from other planets, but they're time travelers. Welcome back to the Beyond Terrestrial Podcast, your home for the strange, the macabre, the conspiratorial, and all things supernatural. I am one half of your hosting duo, Dan Martson, recording just down from the crossroads where Robert Johnson made his infamous deal with the devil. And as always, I am joined by my friend, my partner, my co-host, and... Maybe Warlock? Lee Errett. Maybe. So, hey, I'm Lee Errett. I'm coming to you from the Haunted Barn Studios. And hold on one second. I got one thing I really got to do before we get started. Hey, yo, B. Yo, Lee, you got my penicillin? Yeah, I got your penicillin. My girl Felicia done me dirty. Nasty. (laughs) B has had a rough go of it the last few days. Uh, luckily enough, he was able to call on a friend to uh, bail him out of a uh, sticky and slightly disgusting situation. And uh, wow, you're I a good was, friend, Lee. You're a good friend. Uh, you know what? I I, I kind I of take, I take back those warlock things I said about you. I I didn't mean that you were actually a warlock. I was actually just kind of worried that I might end up with something um, just off the toilet seat because I really don't know how VD works. So, 
Um, well, you see, Lee, when a man and a woman love each other, um, <laughs> just joke, just joke. Um, guys, 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 welcome back, Beyonders. Um, we are on the hunt this week, not only to uh, find that thought Felicia who did our boy be dirty. Um, I can't stop finding her every time I close my eyes. Be really <laughs> got to pick them a little bit better, man. Like, yeah, seriously. she's a that Felicia is a whole lot of lady. I saw her on the Skype call. That's uh, yeah, that's a whole that's a woman right there. Anyways, we are looking for a different type of woman, one that could curse you and ride a broom and make your cattle die mysteriously. Yes, and also dies in the rain. Oh, no, that's the Wizard of Oz. My bad. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Um, But, Lee, last time we got together and talked Salem Witch Trials, we're talking Puritans because I love Thanksgiving, and Puritans and Thanksgiving go together like um, hanging homeless women and witchcraft. Um, Oh, I wasn't going to so, go that way. I was going to say PB and J or like <laughs> rice and I don't know something. I don't want. Yeah, say. I went dark. I went dark there. I apologize. You did. But anyways, guys, well, it's about to get it's about to get rough because we started with some girls who who are in a house the the minister's house in Salem Village where there are factions formed between people in Salem town, between different families where there is kind of a gap in the legal space. Um, so actually a lot of the court cases that people normally brought to try and figure things out, they've kind of been building up. A lot has been festering in this town. Um, and it's cold and they are all afraid they're going to be murdered by Indians and that, uh, the militia won't be able to stop them. So that's that's the situation we're in in Salem. It's not very good. Well, let's be real. I mean, through evidence by the how the war had been going, the militia wouldn't have been able to stop them. It was really just luck that the Indians didn't come down this way. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> so... so. They had fair, like, cause for being worried, but this really goes crazy. We left off with a slave girl named Tichaba, um, who has been accused of being a witch. And Tichaba is in a position where she is essentially between a rock and a hard place. She has to make a decision. That decision is to survive or to be hung as a witch. Yes, yes. So she so she spills the beans and the real problem is she claims there are more witches in town. Um and um to her credit or discredit, more accusers appear and start naming more witches. Yes. Um, Tichaba names 
I, I believe at this time, it's kind of happening all at the same time, there are two more people accused at that point. Yes, and uh, they are accused by different girls. So now more accusers are coming out. Uh, Ann Putnam Jr. We call her Ann Putnam Jr. because well, uh, her her mom was Ann Putnam also. And like uh, Puritans had this thing for naming girls after their mothers. So they kind of use senior and junior as uh, just a way to differentiate them. Yeah. Um, one of the prominent so, accusers in the thing. Yes, she becomes one of the very prominent accusers in this whole deal. And it's weirdly the Putnams linked up with the Parises. Huh, funny. Hmm. Huh. We went over that in the first show. Um, but she accused a homeless woman named Sarah Good of being a witch. Um, and, and this is and, really unfortunate for Sarah Good. Uh, yeah, yeah, she's had it rough. Um, but... Her and the other accused, Sarah Osborne, um, who was a bedridden elderly lady accused by a 17-year-old girl named Elizabeth Hubbard. Um, the, Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne kind of fit the classic description of what a witch should be. An old woman who was confrontational um, or poor or sick um, or scandalous. Yes. Um, so Sarah, Sarah Good was poor. And no one gave a shit about her. Which yeah. sucks. And here's the thing with Sarah Good. Sarah Good was unfortunately, she started out pretty decent. Um, but over time, she became kind of a thorn in people's sides. She would come and ask for help from somebody. Beg for scraps. Beg for something. And when the person turned her away, well, she would she would leave, but not before muttering under her breath in one way or another. And let's yeah, yeah. <laughs> if she I, was a mutterer, and so she was a witch. Yeah, um, and honestly, I can kind of understand why that thought process occurred. Like, if you tell somebody no and they just wander off with, like, I'm going to fucking... Right, right. They'll think that back in the day when people believed in witchcraft, they think you're cursing them. Exactly. And that's the downside of the whole situation for Miss Sarah Good. So and, now we And you got know what's really funny? Just, Lee, I want to point this out. Like, these Puritans remembered all of these slights. So, like, if you... If you had run into Sarah Good in the street a year ago and didn't give her like some of your bread, she muttered under your under her breath and then like you stubbed your toe or like your cousin died or you know, your horse ran off, you would blame it on her. Yeah. Because it had to be somebody's fault, right? Right, yes. Um I mean and the Puritans are people who believe in predestination. So, yeah, it kind of does have to be somebody's fault, right? Exactly. So now we're in a situation where three people have been accused. One of those three is in a situation where she feels like she has no chance of survival. Oh, yes. Poor Tichaba. Yes. A yes. slave girl. Um, and then, well, Sarah Osborne also, I mean, this lady was bedridden. 
she was like in her 70s or something like that mm-hmm. in a time when people did not live very long. Um, now, she had scandalized the community years earlier by like marrying an indentured servant. She like bought his bought his indentured servitude and then married the dude. So there was like some scandal no, there. It, it gets even better, though. Her her husband died. And then she bought his servitude and then married him. Yeah, yeah. Um, kind of the, uh, I guess, the the 17th century equivalent of like a mail order bride, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> you know what? I was actually leaning towards the, uh, the Anna Nicole Smith kind of thing. Right? Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, well, um, either way, I mean... It was it was quite the to do, um, so, and the thing is, um, Anne Putnam Jr. and Elizabeth Hubbard, their accusations come out not long after um, it's found out that Betty Paris and Abigail Williams were bewitched, and they lived some distance away. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's theories out there about like ergot poisoning and stuff like that. Uh, well, these people lived in completely separate sections of of the town, ate from different food supplies. It's very unlikely that they both ate poisoned bread. Yeah, and and the ergot poisoning doesn't hold up in factors of specific vitamins that need to be also deficient in order to create the situation where people have those kind of hallucinations. Right. Well, and I I just not to get too deep into it, Lee, but if they were ergot poisoned, they'd be poisoned all the time. Um, These girls afflictions came and went. There'd be times where they were just as normal as every day. Uh But when they when they faced the people that they accused and they got the evil eye, they would act out in court. They would act out in church services um so but other times they'd be just fine so that's not how you know medical conditions work they don't just you know clear up yeah right something something that would be as chronic as ergot poison yeah and and just to finish my my statement there um there were specific vitamins that need to be as well or deficient as well in order to create the situation where you have those hallucinations um, those vitamins. Oh yeah, because it can give you like an LSD trip, right? That ergot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, that's cool, dude. And 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 specifically, if I remember correctly from my sources, which is technically, you know, it's Adam Makey from Lore, um, and he does his research. So I'm going to go ahead and say that I, I I believe him. Um, but that is vitamin A, and vitamin A is highly present in a in fish which go figure they would be living on a high fish diet um considering the location that they were in yeah right on the coast yeah um with a whole bunch of cod fishermen all around yeah weird right exactly so it's not likely that ergot is their issue yeah so, so this is where things really start to snowball. Um, we start with two girls who maybe have some mental problems, who live in a tough household. 
um, who are influenced by a a very uh, reform-minded minister, you know, very hard-line sort of dude. Um, and now it's spread out into the community. Um, like Elizabeth Hubbard, she had accused Sarah Osborne. She was a maid in the doctor's house. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's how she had heard about this thing going around. Mm -hmm. And Putnam Jr. The Putnams were part of Paris's inner circle. So she knew about this. Mm -hmm. Um, And now it's going to start spreading out. Um, So Tichuba had made her confession. Um, I mean, all the classic stuff. Rode on a stick. Had animals come to her. um, All of this stuff. And they had talking about who had signed the devil's book. Um, Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne were in there. They had signed, clearly. Um, signatures, Lee, I don't know if you know this, signatures had only just become really popular in England mm-hmm. uh, in the early 1600s, I guess. Like, So this was a big thing amongst Puritans, was signatures for legal documents, like signed confessions, mm-hmm. um, and signing the devil's book. Um, is a big one. One thing that's interesting about Tichuba's confession is it morphs over time. You have Tichuba confessing to signing the Devil's Book, but she didn't see what was on the Devil's Book. And as more witches come out, oh, now she saw Sarah Osborne and um, or their specters, or their specters in the book. Yes. And now it it graduates even farther. Because Tichuba is still in a situation where she wants to, she wants to live another day, and that's honestly the, yeah. the down, like the the bottom line of the situation, um, and it ultimately culminates in her saying, "There were nine other names in the Devil's Book that I saw. Two of them were Osgood and." Osborne and good. Osborne and good. Sorry. Yeah. Well, let's roll with it, Lee, because there's some more who um, who start being accused. And Putnam Jr. accuses Sarah Good's four-year-old daughter Dorothy of being a witch. Now, in in these days, they believe that witchcraft ran in families. So, like that, to us, this is crazy. Yeah, but, and and. To me, personally, I just kind of want to punch Ann Putnam in the face. Yeah. Sorry. Um, Ann Putnam Jr. accused uh, Dorothy Good. She accused Martha Corey and Rebecca Nurse. Um, Mary Warren was, uh, I guess, a good friend of Ann Jr.'s, said she was afflicted by Martha Corey. Um like there and the thing is like this spread out to adults too uh Ann Putnam senior Ann Putnam Jr., her mom was afflicted Elizabeth Pope who was like a Quaker said that she was afflicted John Indian Tichuba's husband said he was afflicted um a lot of people started becoming bewitched in this town all of a sudden and they started pointing fingers Yeah. The floodgates had opened, Lee. The floodgates had opened. These people are upset. They're scared. They want to blame somebody for their poor luck. 
and well, go figure. The devil is all around them, and now they can fi- now they figured out how to point the finger at which person is that devil. Yes, and you know what? It's not surprisingly all of a sudden. Um, some of the people who are most skeptical of these proceedings start becoming the ones who are accused of witchcraft. Well, of course. They're, they're the voice of reason right now. <laughs> like, yes. let's shoot them down before we get too far into this. <laughs> like, yeah. So one of, the, one of the guys early on who was skeptical of this is John Proctor, right? Uh-huh. Mary Warren and Putnam's friend. Um, who was accusing people of witchcraft was a maid at John's house, right? Well, uh, John told some people that he was going to beat these witchcraft accusations out of her. Um, and uh, maybe it kind of sort of changed her mind a little bit. Um, so she stopped being accusing. But then the other girls turned it around on poor Mary Warren and accused her of witchcraft. Hmm. So what does Mary Warren do to save herself? She blames John Proctor and the Corys, people who had already been accused. Nice. Yes. So that's... uh, And you know what? Maybe John Proctor was kind of an a-hole. Yeah, maybe he was going to beat the crap out of her for these witchcraft accusations, right? Um, Maybe he ran a tough household and wasn't really that good of a dude. Uh, But was he a witch? Uh, No, probably not. (laughs) Yeah. So let's leave it there. And we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back right after this. Now, now wait, now wait. Before we go further, uh, start right. start with your weaker and move to your harder. <laughs> I bet he likes. We that. want rude. So it, <laughs> we want rude. We want rude. crude. We want sodomy. We want everything. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, now, when I say oh, harder, I mean they're all pretty bad. Just, just, all right. just make all right. it real, real hard. <laughs> I love the holiday season. Like in two thousand one, it was Christmas Eve night. I was nineteen years old. I decided to go for a walk around the block to smoke a joint. You know, it's Christmas Eve. Right. That's what people do. As, as Jesus would want you to. Good man. Jesus would want me to very yes. much so. And uh, I got about halfway down the street. All of a sudden, I was spotted by the police. And like the cop just like flies out of nowhere. He said that they were there were people that were stealing TVs in the neighborhood. What? And this was the reason why he stopped me. Now this is two thousand and one. We didn't, didn't have flat screens. Did he check day. your pocket, okay. sir? No, I'm gonna have to frisk you. <laughs> yeah. And I was like 19, I was like 120 pounds soaking wet. So anyway, he uh, proceeds to uh, run my name and all that jazz. Well, I had a warrant for a failure to appear on some traffic tickets. Oh, oh no. So uh, b- before he stopped me, like um, I, had, I had, I was wearing overalls. And I had like one of those little Kodak cases that you used to put film in back in the day. Mm-hmm. You put your blow in there? A lot of these, yeah. <laughs> I put it right here in my pocket, that roach, right? Yeah. <laughs> 
he uh, he put me put me in handcuffs. He uh, ended up searching me, and he found that roach. It was in a little Kodak pocket okay. right here right. on my overalls. Right. And he smelt it, and he's like, oh, this is another charge. Put it back in the film case, and put it back in my pocket, and put me in the car. And I was real flexible back then, boys. <laughs> boy. So, <laughs> I was able to, like, so, like, on the way to the police station, though, I was able to, well, by being handcuffed, to get my arm around my back, pull the film case out of my pocket, pop open the lid, I reached with my tongue, Got the roach, swallowed it. Yay! Yes, right? Dude, I put the lid back on and shoved it right back in my pocket with my hands cuffed the entire time. Yeah, my man. They booked me in the cell. They booked me in the cell. And then I could hear the police talking. Like, I could hear them talking. They're like, well, what'd you pick him up on? They're like, failure to appear on a bench warrant for traffic tickets. I'm like, but we got some marijuana on him. And they opened up the case. There was nothing in there. And like they came back to my cell, and they're like, "Where did that go?" And I'm like, "Where did what?" So when you said, uh, "And all that jazz," I was like, "And all that jazz." <laughs> yes, yes. Those are great spirit that figures. Was jazz. jazz and spirit figures. <laughs> All right, we are back. And now we were just talking about how skeptics of the Salem witchcraft trials, Lee, soon became the people who were the target of the accusations. Absolutely. Um, It's strange to me how I've been drinking, by the way, everybody. I apologize. Um, It's strange to me how all of a sudden those people that were like, hey, uh, maybe this isn't the best idea are all of a sudden the people that are being attacked by it. Yes. So, so to deal with all of these accusations, they set up what is called a court of Oyer and Terminer, which just means like in old French to hear and decide. Um, this court didn't really have any legal standing because like we had talked about before, the Massachusetts Bay Charter had been revoked and they were going to replace it, but they hadn't actually passed any laws to set up anything new, blah, blah, blah. The new governor has to set up something to deal with this, and he sets up this court. Yes. I got nothing, Dan. <laughs> Good one, Lee. You're um, welcome. So, so the, court, the court finally convenes... Um, this was like in the summertime. So it you've had like six months of accusations and investigations. Um, and a lot has been, it, it's starting to spill over into neighboring towns. Uh, Andover, Ipswich, girls are blaming people down in Boston mm-hmm. um, by the time the court actually shows up um, to start the, the real trial phase. Um, and there are, dozens of people in jail at this point dan it's not just oh, yes. the initial 19 in, in fact poor sarah osborne died in prison she was a bedridden old woman uh she never made it to court she kicked the bucket in the prison the prisons back then terrible oh yeah oh yeah they weren't designed for long-term holding like they really just weren't no i, I mean you're talking about a time before plumbing Right. Mm-hmm. Um, people are pooping in pots. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they don't always get to throw them out. Um, there's rotten food. There's lice. I mean, it's nasty. Nasty in there. So an old woman who's bedridden is not going to last long in that situation. No. And she well, she kicked the bucket. And the worst thing is, like, these these poor inmates are not, like, they're not given food or anything like that. Everything is provided by that inmate's family. And if the inmate's family yes, does not true. have the funds to support them inside the jail, then they're just kind of left there to rot, essentially, and accumulate debt. Yeah. So um, something like, I, I believe something like five different people, uh, at least five people who were accused died in prison. Yes. So, um, but the the trial phase starts. They do set up grand juries um, to see if the indictments should move to a trial. Um, the grand juries are like the evidence that they inspect is very quick um, and very uh, suspect. It includes spectral evidence. So if you say, I saw someone's spirit, like, there's no way to confirm that. Right? <laughs> you, you could just say, I saw so-and-so's spirit uh, riding on a broom or so-and-so's spirit was poking me with pins. Well, exactly. So, Lee, I, I think, um, like we were saying, the evidence in these cases is very spurious. And I think it's really best exemplified in the case of a one uh, Mrs. Bridget Bishop. Um, her case was the first one to be tried by the court of Oyer and Terminer um, because they thought that they had the best case against her. So let's let's listen to some of the evidence that was uh, brought against her here, Lee. Um, she had been previously accused of witchcraft. Oh, yeah. The, this is a big one. If you had ever been accused of witchcraft before, you were like back on the list all of a sudden. <laughs> and uh, prior to uh, the events of Salem, witchcraft wasn't always something people got hung for. In fact, a lot of times they were let off um, because the the evident, the way English law was, um, there really needed to be like two eyewitnesses. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people didn't give that much credit to the spectral evidence. Well, as we see here, some things change um, and it's not for the better um, <laughs> on behalf of the accused here. No. Um, so Brit- Bridget Bishop had already been accused. Um, she had been quarrelsome with her neighbors, something that got Sarah Good in trouble. Um, her neighbors testified against her. Um, you know, If anything bad had happened at their house because they had fights with her, it must be her fault. Right? Um, some craftsmen who had been working at her house, Lee, found poppets in the walls. Dan, what is a poppet? Um, a poppet is essentially like a rag doll or what we would today probably call a voodoo doll. Okay. All right. You would you would poke it to, you know, hurt your enemies with pins. Mm. Um you, you see pins are very big in this back in the day. And you'll remember Lee, pins were very big in the Bell Witch story that we did. Yeah. 
Oh, back in the day. Um, pins are like common household items. Like no one kept track of them. No one could count how many pins they had. They just had a bunch of pins. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know how like when in your mist spent youthly, uh, kids would like take safety pins and like put them through the calluses of their hands and uh-huh. stuff like that. Yeah. Surpri- surprise, surprise. Uh, kids have been doing that for a long, long time. <laughs> what? Yeah. Um, and then also, Lee, this is another thing. Um, like, young people back then would act out much like young people today do. And sometimes they would hurt themselves for attention. And pins were just like one of the ways that that was done. What? Yeah. I know. Weird, right? Hmm. Um, now, get this, Lee. Bridget Bishop um, would also, she also had some, there was more physical evidence. I'm beating around the bush again, like you did in the last show, but I'm going to say it right now. Lee, she had a witch's teat. What? Dan, what's a witch? Wait. You're telling me she had some location on her body that her familiar would suckle off of? Indeed, Lee. Or maybe Satan himself. Oh. Hey, Lee, um, I give you three guesses where the court records uh, say that Bridget Bishop's uh, witch's teat was. Hmm. And I'll give you a warmer or colder, too. Armpit. Cold. Buttock. Warmer. Much warmer. Inner thigh. Ooh. Hotly hot, but not quite. That was your third guess. Um, It was on her taint. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, they would they would bring women in to inspect your body to see if if you had a witch's teeth. Man, she um, probably didn't said, even know she had that. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, they would all look and they'd be like, "Aha, there's a spot." And then get this, Lee. When they went to check again, it wasn't there. Oh, so her witch's teeth was a dingleberry. Dude, I don't even know, dude. Ah. It, it it had been it had disappeared and it was just dry skin. Like it, dude, gross. Um but yeah, that was the idea is that um a witch's familiar would need to suck blood from the witch to gain strength. Mm-hmm. Um in a lot of the stories you'll hear um like a bird coming up to suck in between your fingers. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, I don't want anything in my finger webs ever. I don't know. I don't know if I care about that that much. No, dude, I got a finger thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only thing worse than something happening to one of your fingers is something happened to your finger webs, dude. Really? Like, uh-uh. I don't know. So you're not able to do those hard drugs, right? Where you have to like put it in between your toes or something that just wouldn't work. Oh God, no! Oh, oh. okay. No. Fair point. I'd rather I'd rather snort it all day every day. Um, <laughs> but anyways, 
speaking <laughs> speaking of uh you know other weird stuff that happened um lee in court bridget bishop was accused of giving the afflicted girls the evil eye Mm, is that like on the new guy where you give him the crazy eyes <laughs> sort of yeah um see lee if you were a witch right all you had to do was look at somebody with the evil eye and they would go into a fit oh they could be they could be struck dumb and start choking uh, convulsions all because you gave them a look now lee this is all right now this is going to we're going to get into some hard science here, Lee, so you're going to have to follow me on this, all right? All right. Hard science. I'm with you. <clears throat> I've been so, drinking, so hopefully this will help. Yeah. Here's here's one of the ways that they determined whether or not you were a witch, right? Let's say they haul you in front of court, right? Um, and the person who accused you of being a witch is flailing because I guess you're giving him the evil eye, Right? Mm-hmm. So what they do is they bring you up, and if you grab that afflicted person's hand, all of a sudden, they will stop convulsing. Hmm. You know why? I, I don't know. Because the particles from your evil eye are passing through the afflicted person back to you. Hmm. So they are no longer afflicted and their fits stop. It almost this sounds was called, like these... This was called the touch test. That's what they called it. It almost sounds like these tests were designed specifically to allow somebody who was falsely accusing somebody to... continue to falsely accuse. Uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe um so yeah lee um it was it was bad so all of this spelled doom for bridget bishop um she she never confessed and so she was hung okay june 10th she was hanged um now some people who were part of the court of Oyer and Terminer did not agree with the processes that had been set up and things like the touch test and the admission of spectral evidence. Like, mm -hmm. it, it just was not uh, a deal. So, um, one of the judges quit. <clears throat> um, Sarah Good uh, got brought up on charges. Um, let's see, some other witches here. Susanna Martin of Amesbury, she was a, a widow who was convicted of being a witch. Rebecca Nurse, someone who we had mentioned, um, sh her case is one where she actually had a very strong defense. She had uh, a lot of her friends and family on her side that she was not a witch. Mm -hmm. um, but, the, of course, they said she had a witch's teat. Um, and they said, oh, we saw her spirit afflicting people. Um, there was the touch test, all that sort of stuff. Um, but you know what? Despite all of that didn't sway the jury, Lee. 
No. She was fa- she, got she was found a not, not guilty. guilty verdict. But <laughs> um, Lee, uh, one of the judges, a guy named Stoughton, uh, he sent the jury back and told them to deliberate again. Uh, so they came out with some questions. Now, Lee, um, a lot of people, when they think about these trials, um, they might picture a modern trial where there's like a prosecuting attorney and a defense attorney, mm-hmm. right? Uh, just for clarification, there was no defense attorney. Um, if you were a woman, you had to be represented by a male member of your family. Um, and in fact, it was illegal for a lawyer to practice for fees in Massachusetts until the 1700s. <laughs> nice. Um, and the judges did all the prosecuting, all the question askings, and they presumed that the accused was guilty. There was no presumption of innocence. And Stoughton, in particular, was a hard ass. Um, he was going to root out uh, witchcraft in Massachusetts, Lee. Yeah, the thing with Stoughton is... It transitions from, like, Paris being the the driving factor between these witch trials to Stoughton, who sees this as his white whale, right? He is going to end witchcraft in Salem. He is going to stop it mm-hmm. with yes. disastrous results. Yes, it's crazy. It's funny too, Lee. Um, like the original girls who were afflicted, when afterwards they're removed from Salem and sent to live with other people, and it's weird they get better when they're not what? around all these other girls. Yeah, I know, right? Um, so it's it's very strange. Um, how this how this progressed. So it starts with these girls who are having a tough time. It moves into these girls who are attention-seeking, who are, in some cases, outright faking, mm-hmm. um, or, or who may be telling authority figures just, like, what they think they want to hear. Yeah. So poor Rebecca Nurse is caught up in all of this, and even though she's found not guilty, Stoughton's fervor sends the jury back they come out to ask her another question and maybe she didn't hear it there's stories in the record that she was hard of hearing whatever it was she did not respond to the jury's question about who else she was in league with or something like that and because she didn't say anything they decided to change from not guilty to guilty because the first thing I think when somebody doesn't answer me is they must be hiding something. Exactly. Witchcraft. Witchcraftly. If people don't talk, they're they're guilty. Yeah, that's my first jump to. So, and what's crazy is um, not only, like, did her family set up a very strong defense for her? with all these friends and neighbors saying that she wasn't a witch. Even after she was convicted, her family kept campaigning for her, tried to get her reprieved by the governor. At first he was like, yeah, okay. 
But then I guess Stoughton or someone convinced him to switch back, and he was like, no, you're going to get executed. Yeah. Um, I think this whole thing boils down to Stoughton being a real asshole. I mean, well, and so there were something like uh, nine uh, or was it nine or seven, seven judges appointed to the court of Oyer and Terminer. Yeah. Seven. Um, none of these guys were lawyers. Um, they were all businessmen and government officials. Um, some of them like, uh, what's his name? Sewell. Uh, was it Robert Sewell? Samuel Sewell? I can't remember. Samuel he was like right. the rich, he was like the richest guy in Massachusetts at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was very well to do, uh, but like, I mean, they were all, they were all well read. They were all educated. They all had money, but this just like, isn't necessarily their thing. And depending on how fervent they are in their religious beliefs, this is where you get the the differences. And Stoughton is a hardliner. Yeah. And when so. I look at it, like Stoughton was essentially the the head juror or something like that. He was. Yeah. Well, I th- I think he was the chief justice. Um, but like Sewell and a and a few of the other judges would later years later apologize for their actions during mm-hmm. these trials. Yeah. Stoughton? No. Uh-uh. No apologies. Oh, no. Um, so anyways, Lee, the Salem witch trials could more accurately be called, like, the Essex County witch outbreak or the Massachusetts witch fever of 1692 because it spread out to neighboring towns, and Andover actually had more people accused of being witches than Salem. I didn't know it was more people, but I knew there was a lot in Andover. Yeah, um, a couple of the people accused, um, the Lacys and the Corys, um, their families had a lot of accusations. Oh, or the Lacys and the Carriers, excuse me. We already talked about Martha Corey a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, her husband, Giles, is going to be a figure in this one. But anyways, the uh, Carriers, Martha Carrier, was accused of being like, the queen of hell and all this sort of stuff. Accusations were piled on her um, once once these things got rolling. And even after she was accused, I think people just piled on more and more because she was someone that they could name. Um, her, her like 18-year-old son was brought to prison and tortured to confess that his own mom was a witch. Well, that's how you get what you need. We've all seen, Guant- or like we've all heard of Guantanamo Bay, right? Uh-huh. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. I mean, there was there were so many accusations and uh, court cases. Um, Martha Carrier was found guilty again. She was one of the ones who opposed the trial, just like the Proctors. John and his wife Elizabeth were both found guilty. Um, Elizabeth, what, her execution was stayed because she was knocked up. Um, but if you opposed these trials in any way and you did not confess, you got you got hanged. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, if you did confess to witchcraft and being in league with the devil, you didn't get hanged. 
no one who confessed to witchcraft during the Salem witch trials was hung as a witch. Including Tichiba, the very first was not yes. hung. So, guys, let's uh, that's, that's look. We're, this has moved us from January, when all of this started, to August. Um, and there's still more. But we have one important figure that we want to cover. A former Salem minister named George Burroughs who evidently was the king of hell and the leader of the black masses of Salem witches. So let's take a quick break and we'll be back with more right after this. Hello, this is Michael from Pennyhaven. What is Pennyhaven, you ask? Well, Pennyhaven is my YouTube channel. On this channel, I share with the viewer some awesome coins from my collection and the new ones I pick up every week. I also have a bunch of informative videos that show you what to look for in your own pocket so you can realize the worth above face value in circulated money. I'll teach you how you can get silver coins for free or at face value. I'll even tell you how you can get a free piece of gold in the mail. Absolutely free and beautiful. So... Come on over, subscribe, watch my playlist of informational videos or anything that catches your eye. Send me an email to find out how to get some free gold and start getting the most out of your money. So please, go to youtube.com and search for Penny Haven. That's P-E-N-N-Y-H-A-V-E-N on YouTube. And we're back. Dan was just introducing a Mr. George Burroughs. Yes. So, George Burroughs was accused of being a witch by a gal named Abigail Hobbs. Now, Abigail was one of the main refugees who was living in Salem. Okay. Um, She said she had been approached by the devil at Casco Bay in Maine, which was one one of the settlements up there, where surprise, surprise, Burroughs was also a minister in Falmouth. A town that was attacked and destroyed by Indians. Okay. So, yeah. So, Burroughs had ties to Maine. Burroughs had ties to Salem. Um, And according, the evidence against Burroughs was uh, not very good. Um, according to witnesses, he had supernatural strength. Yeah. He could pick up heavy things, Lee, which evidently is something people remember about people. You remember we did uh, the fast food killer from Tennessee mm-hmm. and people were like, he was really strong. <laughs> His old co-workers, you know, like that's just something people remember, I guess. Um but also, allegedly, he had preternatural knowledge. So, like, his wife would, like, go on a walk with her brother or something like that. And when she came back, he'd be like, I know what you were talking about with your brother. I know you were talking about me. I know you said this, this, and this. Sounds like and just a possessive husband. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> um, it, was, it was really weird. 
Um, so maybe he was an eavesdropper. Maybe he just had to have control. Um, he is a lot like uh, a lot like Paris. He's a minister who has failed a lot of times. Um, like the town where he was a minister in Maine got raided by Indians and destroyed, but he kept land up there. He wanted to go back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's weird. Um, but according to the afflicted girls, um, who I, we use the term afflicted girls a lot, but remember there were adult women and men and all kinds of people who were also afflicted. Um, according to the afflicted, uh, George Burroughs's specter would come and haunt them all the time. Um, so Abigail Hobbs said she had seen the devil um, that George Burroughs had come to her with the devil, uh, that George Burroughs had signed the devil's book, like they had all seen it in this spectral form, this invis- in- invisible to everybody else. Yes. Now, one thing to keep in mind is George Burroughs, before he was a minister in Maine, he was a minister in, guess where? Salem Village? Yes. He was one of those three failed ministers on the front side of Samuel Paris. Mm-hmm. This meant many of the people that were making accusations knew him. And I believe Burroughs, uh, not a very strong reformer, a supporter of the Halfway Covenant, too. Yes, he was. So there you go. I mean, clearly he is not that strong in his religious conviction if he's going to accept this halfway covenant. Of course. Of course. So it was it was bad for George Burroughs. He was the king of hell. Um, and according, these accusations grew and grew to the point where people said there were hundreds of witches. Mm-hmm. Um, and that George Burroughs was the center. He was the ringleader. He was a minister. He had been to Harvard. He was, like, probably the highest up dude who was convicted in this whole thing. Convicted, yes. Accused, right. no. There was yeah, one was young, a- or there was one lady that was higher than him that I can think of. Right, right. And, you know, I, I want to point this out, Lee. This is an important thing to note, too. Um, there's a difference between being accused, like someone says, I saw so-and-so and they're a witch, and actually uh, having a charge filed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, um, you'll see you'll see it usually worded as cried out on. A lot of people who were cried out on as witches uh, never had any charges brought against them because the judges were just like, oh, no, that guy's not a witch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally true. Uh, ah, couldn't be him. No, no, uh, no, no, no. But that girl, yes. <laughs> put her in put her in jail right now. Nice. So, yeah, yeah, that's how it worked. Um, if you wanted to make a formal accusation, uh, again, most of the people who are making these accusations are girls. They don't have any standing in a court. So a male member of their family has to go to a judge or a constable or a magistrate or something like that and swear out a complaint against the witch. Nice. 
the girl's testimony in court is actually like doesn't really hold any weight until a man says something to back it up nice so yeah there you go um george burroughs denied it the whole time and of course because he denied it and did not confess he was convicted um the puritans lee we mentioned this in the first show they were very big on confession Mm -hmm. public confession um and so maybe that's why the people who confessed got let off easy maybe that's a fair point now there's an interesting footnote in burroughs's story and i really like this one throughout the majority of these trials uh one of the big prevailing things is that a witch is not capable of reciting the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. In fact, a couple of men, or at least one man that I know of, was convicted because he mildly misworded the Lord's Prayer. I believe he said... of. Anyway, it was like a single word difference. Oh, yeah. Even a stutter would be enough for a conviction. Exactly. So Burroughs gets on the gallows. And I guess essentially he's given, you know, do you have any last words? And he has some great last words. I don't know if if Dan got this in the research, but I'm, I'm hoping my, the listeners will be able to guess but Dan, what were his last words? Uh, Lee, he recited the Lord's Prayer perfectly on the gallows. And people in the crowd were shook. Absolutely. To the point where they were worried. Like, they started to surge forward. They were going to rescue him from the gallows. Until one person shows up. Dan, do you know who that person is? That is a famous Massachusetts resident and witch hunter, Cotton Mather. Who denies that that is capable and demands that he gets hung immediately. Yes. So essentially, uh, George Burroughs gets hung. People are very shook about this. They're like, oh, my gosh, you know, there's there's rumblings. The tide uh, is turning against these trials. And George Burroughs. The cases of Rebecca Nurse and George Burroughs in particular really helped turn the tide against these proceedings. Um, Cotton Mather is on horseback. Um, he's one of the most well-known men in the entire colony. His father is the president of Harvard. Yeah, son of, what is it, Increase Mather? Increase, yeah, his name's Increase. Uh, he was the president of Harvard. He was like the leading uh, reverend in all of Massachusetts because um, Harvard is where all these ministers went to be trained. Yeah. So as the president, he was like the big deal. Yeah. Cotton Mather is second only to really his father, who is Increase Mather. Yeah. I gra- like Cotton Mather graduated from Harvard at like 15 or something like yeah. that. I mean, he was very well read. He was a child prodigy of puritanism and puritan thought yes um and he he said he tried to calm the crowd by telling them that sometimes the devil appears as an angel of light 
and that this that George Burroughs was possessed by Satan in league with Satan um, and was trying to convince them uh, that he was not. As you do. As you do. Um, which is actually kind of funny because um, the morning star, the planet Venus, um, often associated with Lucifer and the devil. Mm-hmm. Um, so the devil, angel of light, morning star. Um, very intriguing stuff there. So, yeah. So the tide is kind of turning uh, in these proceedings. Um, and there's, there's a lot of stuff that goes on. Um, one of, one of the accused, Mary Bradbury, um, her family helped her escape from jail. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the people who was accused and, uh, b- convicted was, a, a gal named, this is the best name in the whole thing. Dorcas Whore. H-O-A-R. Dorcas Whore. <laughs> Yeah, dude. Uh, yeah. I remember the yeah. Dorcas, but I don't remember the last name. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, there, there's a lot of people accused of this still, but the tide is turning, and one of the big things um, that, that really pushed it over the edge um, was Giles Corey being pressed to death. Yes. Now, Giles' wife, Martha, was accused very early on, um, and when it came up for their trial, um, Giles was asked, are you willing to be tried by God and country? That was the question. And he had to answer so that they could move on with a trial, mm-hmm. but he refused. He, he wouldn't say anything. Mm-hmm. So they, uh, they were going to press the answer out of him. Yeah. Lee, uh, explain being pressed. All right. So here's what being pressed is. Uh, You are laid down, essentially on your back, and a board is placed over top of you. And that board is loaded up with weight. In this case, heavy rocks. Mm Mm-hmm. And he was, and they added weight. And then they would ask him the same question that he's refusing to answer. And then they would add more weight. And it got to a point. Now, bear in mind, this guy is in his, like, 70s, I believe, at the time. Yeah, like 60s or 70s, yeah. Yeah. And he has uh, probably hundreds of pounds of weight on him at this time. And they Mm -hmm. get to essentially his final words. And they ask him his question. And his response. Yeah, so the question is, are you willing to be tried by God and country? And his response is, in the most amazing response I've heard in these stories to date. More weight. And then he dies. <laughs> and then he dies. <laughs> yeah. Um, some some very baller last words um, <laughs> for, for an old guy being pressed to death. Um, 
like the the pressure will like force all the air out of you and you suffocate essentially yeah. you just can't get any more air in and um, he was and he was able to like force out his last breaths to actually say something yeah. that now, fucking badass that's like, I I want to say that might be legend that sounds like it could be legend exactly um, but one of the things that uh, English authorities did if they really wanted to be dicks when they pressed you to death is they would put a rock under your back. Oh, I didn't know about that one. They make you lay on just one rock. Mm, nice. And then of start them. adding the weight. Yeah, uh huh. Mm-hmm. You think he had that rock? Uh, you know, I, you know, maybe, maybe not. I don't, I don't know if that's in the record, but. Um, so in September, the court of Oyer and Terminer convicted 15 of the 15 people that were brought before it. Nice. So we're talking about a hundred, hundred percent conviction rate. Yeah. So during that, during that month, like they would, they would meet for a month they'd go back, come back for a month, meet. Um, but yeah, it was... It was nuts. And this was unheard of. Like, prior to Salem, something like not not even half of these witchcraft trials would end in convictions. Yeah. Um, now, all of a sudden, you've got a 100% success rate. Hmm, it's almost like somebody's decided the outcome before the... Right. I mean, the, everyone's presumed guilty. If you don't confess, you're hanged. Um... And it's just, it's, it's fervor, it's madness, it's eating people up, but at the same time, the public is turning against this. I mean, people have been pressed to death, people who are probably innocent have been hanged, um, people have been broken out of jail by their families, um, and slowly the tide just, just turns against all of this. Yeah. It does. And the one of the big tipping points is uh, on October 9th, Increase Mather uh, gave a manuscript copy of a book uh, to the governor, William Phipps, um, where he and a bunch of the leading ministers of Massachusetts essentially uh, came out against this. Uh, Increase visited jails. He heard people recant their confessions and uh, like this essentially it all crumbles um, the governor knows that the ministers are turning against him they won't be supporting this anymore so essentially he has to dissolve the court of Oyer and Terminer um, but get this Lee it wasn't until October that he actually like informed the crown about all of this stuff that was going on. Like in May, when he had set up this court, he was just like, Oh yeah, everything's fine here in Massachusetts guys. Okay. Bye. Well, and to speak to that, when he informs the crown, he plays dumb. Oh yeah. And he passes all the blame off on like the deputy governor. He's like, Oh, it was those guys. Exactly. A great no, blame Stoughton shifting. and Danforth like and those guys. Oh, yeah. Somebody that 
is in recent history that we could think about. Moving <laughs> on. Politics, man. Politics. That's how it is. Dirty, dirty game. Um, so uh, a new court system was established in November when the legislature met. And that new court uh, got together and essentially cleared everybody. What? Yes. Um, three people who had confessed were convicted, um, but they didn't get, no one else was hanged. Like, that was the end of it. Um, and this is when Tichuba finally came up for her court appearance and uh, she was let off. Wow. But get this, Lee. Um, you know, Tichuba wasn't let off easy. She was still a slave and she was in jail. And Samuel Paris didn't want her back in his house. So he refused to pay her jail fees. Yeah. So ultimately uh, it came up. Apparently she was resold. Yeah. Someone had to buy her out of prison. Yeah. At the, at the end of the day, 19 people were hanged. Um, like five died in prison. Um, it, it ended up they had imprisoned well over 100 people. Mm -hmm. through all of these accusations and people being cried out on um people in neighboring towns all over massachusetts i mean this thing spread out people who were afflicted weren't just girls they were men they were women uh rich and poor um it was it was something where clearly in some cases people were faking some of these girls were outright faking. They were juvenile delinquents. Some of them may have had serious mental issues. Uh -huh. um, going back to Betty Paris and Abigail Par and Abigail Williams, uh, the first bewitched girls. Maybe there was something wrong. Um, maybe they were in an abusive household. Maybe Samuel Paris convinced them to do this, and things got out of hand. N who knows? Um, but at the end of the day, you have one of the darkest moments in American history. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and Lee, it's really crazy. Um, this is one of the crazy things about the, the aftermath of the Salem witch trials. Um, you have what ends up being like one of the first cover-ups in American history. Yes, absolutely. Now, I'm going back real quick to what I was about to say just a minute ago when I lost it. Um, one thing that was amazing about the new court and was integral in the change was they, in the law, they made it set up so that that court could not hear spectral evidence. And it yes, shut yes. everything down. And you know what? Some of the same judges were on the new court. Stoughton was on the new court. Sewell was on the new court. But the the tide of public opinion and the law had all shifted dramatically. Mm -hmm. And to the point where Stoughton walked out in like a massive like fit throwing. It was... Oh, yeah. yeah. When people started getting let off, he was pissed. Oh, yeah. Now... Once we, we have that situation where people start getting let off, it really does turn into a horrible, like, it's just, it's just a huge cover-up. Phipps does everything he can to make this thing go away. 
Right. Well, and the Puritan government, because this was this was essentially a theocracy. Uh-huh. Uh, they cannot admit to wrongdoing. Um, they they have to admit to wrongdoing uh, because it's Puritans and they have to confess. And that's one of the things that's expected. Um, but this is like a brand new government. Uh, Phipps has only been around for, you know, a year or two. Um, they've just set up a new set of laws and a new charter. Um, he, he cannot afford that kind of political scandal. Uh-huh. So even though they're supposed to confess to these sins, um, the hypocrisy and the political necessity is that they can't. Mm-hmm. So instead, they decide to cover it up by banning publications related to the trials. Yes. Now, the best part about this whole thing is that so many of these uh, publications just made it seem like they were from Philadelphia instead of Pennsylvania or instead of uh, Boston. Yeah, they would just they would print them in Boston and then put a different city on the title page. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and you know what? This is like uh, part of what would become a great American tradition of uh, rebellion, right? Against the government authority. Um, and especially a governor who's appointed by the crown. Yes, he was born in the colonies, but he was still seen as the king's man, especially <clears throat> as public opinion uh, against the cover up against the trials turned um opinion against phipps turned and like the breakdown of the theocracy the increase in rebellion um like all of this helped kind of lead to 1776 yeah exactly this is it's kind of like boston's test run at uh tea party right yeah, I, I think this is a, a part where some of the some of the shackles um, that were placed on the colonists early on by by the theocracy um, were were thrown off. They're, we don't need this old way of thinking. We're going to move forward, um, and that that was in part what led to like the moral reformation movement that guys like Samuel Paris were a part of um, these new colonists, not being as involved in church going their own way. Um, the Salem witch trials were really a, a terrible last gasp uh, for theocracy in America, where it was like, no, we are going to have religion. We are going to have religious courts. Um, it will dominate Life and and people after they saw what happened were like, no, we don't want that. Yes, that's all I got, Dan. You're welcome. <laughs> hey, Lee coming in with a hot take. <laughs> so, guys, wow, we have um, we have covered the uh, Salem witch trials pretty darn well. We went from the establishment of Massachusetts to the revolution all of a sudden. Yeah. It just um, kind of popped out out of nowhere. Yeah. We went, we went high, we went low. 
Um, we, we came through it all together, um, and none of us were tempted. Well, not none of us. I mean, Lee was. Lee was tempted by the devil. Well, um, only if the devil's at the bottom of this wine bottle, man. It's amazing. You are such a lightweight, bro. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Lee gone full Karen with his Chardonnay over there. Ah, uh, no, it's uh, it's sweet Riesling. Riesling? Riesling, sure, why not? Riesling. You know what, Lee? Your hair, I'm going to tell you right now, it's a little bit swoopy. You're working on a Karen do. I know you I should need to do get a haircut. It. You no 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 leave it. Go full pixie cut. Go full Karen. Mm. Should I get the hair down like on the sides, like get it cut in the back, but leave the length on the front? Yeah, you dude, you should totally be the bearded Karen and just start going into places and asking for the manager. Ooh, I kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> like a folk hero <laughs> get you get you like a knockoff louis vuitton bag <laughs> perfect perfect walk in some restaurants. big some big old sunglasses <laughs> but leave the beard and then come in and be like i want to talk to the manager excuse me if I if that doesn't get people to accuse you of witchcraft then nothing will I need to speak to the manager. Well, guys, I think that's it. That's all we have. Um, we have left some work for our friends over at Simple Equations Media on editing this one. Lee's drunk. I'm long-winded. We're in. We're out. We're back and forth. Um, but Simple Equations Media, Las Vegas, Nevada, full-service audio video production company. They can do it all. They can take your ideas from pre-production. They can shoot it. They can go through post. They can write music. Uh, they have all your sound and video needs. If you're a garage band trying to make a music video, um, maybe you're trying to break into TV or movies, these guys can do it all. So um, if you need to get a hold of them, Google it, Simple Equations Media. Get them on Facebook or Instagram, Simple Equation underscore on Twitter. Or if you want to, give them a call at their offices in Las Vegas and you can do a cons consultation live and in person. Thank you, Mike. That's our show. Good luck editing this one. Try and make Lee sound slightly more Karen-y if you can. And keep tuning in for more tales. Lee, you want to do this one? Come on, Lee. You got it. Keep looking out there for more tales from out there beyond terrestrial. God, I'm out there. Out there. <laughs> out there. I'm pointing. <laughs> People can tell. <laughs> All right, we're out. Thank you for listening to Beyond Terrestrial. All three of y'all. If you're still a fan of this show, follow Beyond Terrestrial on social media and join the Beyonders Facebook group for even more strangeness. Links to everything, including previous episodes, are available at beyondterrestrial.com. That's the place to go for stickers, merch, show swag, and our Patreon. Patrons get exclusive access to ad-free shows, giveaways, and the unedited after-show show. show. 
anything you give to the show goes straight to Funk Master B's Bachelor Pad, which for now is also where these giant turkeys record this show. The show was edited by Simple Equations Media with music by Mike Root. Dan and Lee will be back next Tuesday with more from Beyond Terrestrial. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.